Today, I am joined by Marcus Bernhardt, who is a fellow of the Learning Performance Institute and a member of several prestigious councils, including the Forbes Technology Council and the HBR Advisory Council, a leading voice in the global learning and HR landscape. He is an author, speaker, and panelist. Recently, he was the chief evangelist at Obrism, where he merged cognitive science with digital learning and AI. All of this to say, we're happy to have you on the Video Learning Lab podcast for a special episode where we're recapping for all the L&D folks who could not attend the DevLearn conference in Vegas, which has just wrapped up this past week. Welcome to the podcast, Marcus. Yeah, really good to be here, Kevin. Always good to speak to you. It's fantastic to have you. So I heard that this was the first year that felt like post-COVID attendance for the DevLearn conference. Can you paint us a picture? What was the atmosphere like at DevLearn? What were the people like? How'd it go? I think DevLearn was a huge success this year. For me, it definitely was. It was it was really busy. It was also busy last year, but it felt it felt busier this year. And despite being busy, it still felt intimate. What I really like about DevLearn myself is that we have so many practitioners from the front line in learning mm. design, learning experience design, um, development of trainings, all of all of those different areas within and around our profession that come together and discuss their work in their communities of practice with their friends, with their colleagues in, in the circle of trust. So the conversations are just very unique to DevLearn and not so much focused on... Um, wider aspirations within the organization big purchasing strategies all of all of those things you go to the other the other conferences for devlin is really what the one where you talk to those who sit on the front line and deliver this day to day and that's why i find really exciting for sure. And and also just having been to DevLearn a couple of times myself, just know that the same people always consistently show up every year, in addition to this growing audience that DevLearn has had. So definitely hear you on those intimate conversations and, and sharing best practices. I'm curious, you know, I'm sure AI, you, you couldn't walk two steps without hearing about AI, but uh, I'm curious, you know, before we go into that, what were some of the big takeaways across the those those three or four days? For me, the big takeaways were that everyone is leaning into AI, everyone is curious, everyone wants to know what's happening, what uh, is being developed, how that can help us either building content or changes the delivery modality or supports the learner. One of those three things was always on the forefront of everyone's mind. And so people were sharing lots of practices, how to utilize tool to either build the content deliver the content or to support the learner um, and we're focusing on on lots of different aspects of learning here so the entire spectrum has been covered but it's about the tools and how are we being enabled to deliver better higher quality sometimes also faster but the the difficulty with faster is that we often think about less quality when we think faster right now the conversation is about faster but maybe even with increased quality mm. because more tools and more accelerators in in our toolkit that we can that we can utilize so that was one of the overall takeaways and the the curiosity about the tools is really huge and people want to know what are the strategies to work with what i realized again and again in conversations and also on the ai and learning symposium is that people have no overall business strategy in mind yet mm. how to cope with this fast changing environment we're, we're 
we're dealing with an environment here that has very many variables and very many unknowns. And this is not the environment where you're going to sign two or three year deals after having run a long RFP, right? This is a this is an environment where you have to be agile and where you have to be process centric. So I found myself talking a lot of AI strategy to people. Were there, you know, did you get a sense that anybody has, you just said that, you know, everyone is talking about AI, but is unsure about how to develop a particular strategy heading into 2024. I'm curious, was this the case with large enterprise? Were they maybe holding their their strategy a little close to the to the vest until they've had a chance to implement new skills and education with AI? Or was it the sense that everyone's talking about it, but truly no one has any idea what to do about it, either because it maybe it's because it sits within these products and tools that um, that companies need and, and are still figuring out how to use or they don't quite understand how it works? What's the cause there? I think the, the cause is that this is an environment that no one has any real experience with this is the, the the economy and the business environment changing so fast the supplier and vendor side developing so quickly that every every few weeks we see that solutions are being leapfrogged mm. by someone by someone else and the development is so fast that it's it's environment a business environment that we need to deliver for learners within and that we buy our tools and that people are just not used to so i think everyone is everyone is looking for that strategy of how to navigate this this quickly changing environment with so many variables and with within that then comes of course the learning strategy and the tools to choose but I think so far people are more excited and are looking at different tools and thinking, how could I use this? But mm. we're now coming out of the excitement phase. And I think a lot of businesses, especially with their strategy with regard to 2024 and budgets opening up, yes, are going to find themselves in a position where you have to have a, a business strategy in place that you can communicate cross-departmental via leadership to know exactly why you're taking which steps, what ROI you're expecting generally for the business and then subsequently for the learner from these new tools. Yeah, especially coming off of, you know, I think maybe three quarters of experimentation and play and, and people sharing prototypes this next quarter and this next year are really going to be about um, what is the ROI on actually implementing implementing these tools. So I'll be curious to see how that comes out. I'm thinking, uh, you know, as we often do about the learner experience, I mean, I'm curious from your survey of the emerging tech and, and trends that were at the conference, you know, was there anything that you were most excited or hopeful about that seems truly novel and how it might improve the uh, the employee or the learner experience? I have to say with the with the solutions I have seen this year, I had higher expectations. I had gone to DevLearn and I thought there's been enough time to to develop slightly more that is aimed more at impact and will wow me a little bit more. It didn't quite happen this year from the solutions. I can see the tools are there and the building blocks are starting to be in place. But I'm but I'm yet to I'm yet to see someone wow me with a with a use case with a delivery that brings you know, one or two tools of really nicely together and demonstrates a really big impact. But everyone's working hard. And that's not that's not me complaining. I was just hoping that there'd be one or two nuggets somewhere in there. I hear you. And yeah, 
And that's, I, to me, that's a high bar, a high bar to reach. I'm curious, what would you, uh, what would you need to see from these AI tools? You know, you said that they're tackling things like speed and effort, but in terms of meeting, uh, creating a different or improving upon a learning experience, what were some things that, that you would like to see in the next iteration of, of maybe either AI enabled tools or just the tools that were at DevLearn? What's been holding us back so far as a profession has been not having enough time and enough money hmm. to make to make learning programs as specific and as personalized as we would have always wished them to be right the one-to-one -one tutor that we all want in education but no one no one can afford that's why we have schools yes uh, that equivalent in learning that is moving closer and is becoming more realistic so for yes. me, it's not about just the creation or the or, or the modality as such. For me, something that would have really wowed me this year if I saw a, a training program, some kind of learning program that really moves the bar from where we were last year. That mm -hmm. something is um, more personalized, makes use of good cognitive science and multimedia learning principles and also shows a continuity over time something that i i can dive into where i have spaced out practice i can do repetition i have some interleaving that makes that makes use of all these good things and sort of says this is a real step away yes from e-learning and we can now do that because we've deployed ai in 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 one or two sections therein i'm not looking for the for the full-blown solution that delivers everything, right? That that we we will still wait for for many years to come, but the first nuggets of those elements to to feature in such a training program, we can we can see glimpses of it, but uh, but I think next year will be big on that one. We'll see some. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you know, if we can't, if if there's not enough time to build in pedagogical supports uh, for those who are creating instruction, then perhaps we can insert that pedagogy in directly into the product and a few players come to mind, but uh, we'll save that for another episode. Um, I want to put you on the spot for a second. Um, so you saw the different tools that are being exhibited, you, the different topics that are being discussed. You had your AI symposium and you had a chance to interact with your audience as well. I'm curious of looking at this from a skills perspective, what are your predictions for uh, L&D departments about what, what they'll have to skill up the organization in beyond just basic education of, you know, things, topics that you talked about, you know, what is generative versus non-generative yeah. AI and, and natural language processing. I think that's going to become table stakes, but specifically what skills are people going to need org-wide that, that you'd like to see in, in, in this next year? I think the one of the biggest skills, and we see this from research, we see this from the United Nations, one of the biggest skills is um, critical thinking. Mm. Critical thinking and utilizing that to stay on top of what's coming at us. With AI, with these changes coming into the workplace, this is now the future of work. It's here. We've talked about it for 10, 15 years. We've read all the reports. This is it. Reskilling and upskilling is now a thing. It has to happen. We have to stay on top of things. So we have to use our curiosity and our critical thinking to regularly find moments in time where we can engage with new tools, engage with new technology, stay on top of the news and advance our own career. There's no one out there waiting for the opportunity to help us do that. 
Mm. We're, we're going to we're going to have to take our career into our own hands and stay on top of these things. And we've, we're already seeing that across organizations everywhere. There is the colleague who has tried out the, the, the most recent um, chat GPT capabilities with images on on chat GPT four because they're willing they're willing to pay a little bit of money every month and they want to stay on top of these things. And we still have astonishingly many people who can state I've ne I've never tried it. Not yes. even the free version that that requires nothing other than the effort to navigate navigate to a website and create a login in in order to try it out. Who will be part of the conversation in these organizations going forward? The people who have stayed on top of these things. This is not something that L&D will provide for you, at least not in the short term. These, these are things that everyone has to do for themselves. So it doesn't matter where in the organization you work or whether you're a junior or whether you're a senior. If people want you as part of the conversation, that is your career progressing and if you're not part of the conversation, even if you're even if you're trying to be part of it, then other people have moved have moved faster than you. And so I think if you're if you're putting me on the spot like that with regard to skills, I would say it's that I think lifelong learning is overused. I don't want to use that. It's <laughs> sure. it's that it's that drive to stay curious and creative and think critically about what these solutions mean, how they might be applied, and that in in itself will advance people's career and and to your point i as these i think we've seen a lot of it happening on linkedin where there are these communities of practice that are building people working out loud sharing their experiments but it's that proof of work that i think differentiates those who are speaking about ai and lnd versus those who uh, who who have projects to show and who can explain the steps of how they got to their work because we don't know what the end solution is at this point but it's those folks who are showing the work that they're doing with these different tools and um playing and experimenting i think that are going to be the most valuable in 2024 um and i i think you know with that i i was hoping you could share just one nugget of knowledge um, the big takeaway from your AI symposium at DevLearn, I know that you taught, did a lot of uh, covering the fundamentals of AI, but was there a takeaway that seemed to resonate with, with a lot of folks uh, who attended? For me, the main takeaway is looking at the crowd, that there was a lot of questions around the ethics of AI and concerns about how data is being used, hmm. where the where the crowd seemed behind the times a little bit was with regard to you can just look at the T's and C's of the products that you're using and providers are being very specific about how your data is being used and how it's not being used because in a market like this that is how they have to approach it so if you are someone who is looking at a tool and isn't quite sure about how the data is you being used look at the documentation it's it's often not rocket science you don't have to be a data specialist that can alleviate a lot of the concerns and will further build people's understanding for what the terminology around data usage is, what, what we come across, what different providers are saying differently. All of that is basically further upskilling in terms of understanding the AI landscape and understanding wh where the boundaries of data usage are. And I think that's, that's for me, the main takeaway in, in terms of everyone who visited DevLearn people need to proactively start looking at these things and finding that answer 
especially when they're concerned with a certain tool of how it will operate. One question that came up twice in two different um, uh, sessions that I was in was, we're, we're using this tool that can generate your voice after having tested your voice. And there was the concern that this company might use that person's voice then elsewhere, elsewhere or use their data somewhere elsewhere. And in both instances, I said, I'd, I'd be very surprised if the T's and C's aren't super clear that this will not be the case. P.S. The web is full of free resources for voices. They yes. will have had enough out there to train the general system. They don't need your voice to train the, the general systems. They're just going to use their system to imitate your voice and make it sound like you. But they're not going to steal any of your voice or any of your data. I'd be very surprised. That, as an example, came up twice. And that, for me, really resonates with my thought process of the, the, the fear is there, but providers are starting to give us the answer. Just have a look. Mm. And it's, I think to what you're saying, it's about replacing a lot of that uncertainty about AI with knowledge, just a bit of fundamental knowledge about how these systems work, so that you can then open up the space for creativity, innovation, experimentation with these tools. So um, Marcus, I, that's, a, that's a wonderful summary. I, I feel just a little bit better about not having made that, that wonderful week of DevLearn. And I, I certainly hope to see you there next year. But I can't thank you enough for, for giving us that, that update and, and letting us know where we should be pointing in the next year. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. Pleasure.